0: Ah, hello. So good of you to stop by this evening, and welcome back to the gallery of curiosities. I remain as always your humble host, Osgood. Now that dry January is finished, I think some martinis are in order. I don't know what I was thinking to agree to do such a thing. But, uh, on the other hand, I must admit we did get a fair amount of work accomplished here at the gallery. The readers have just finished up our first submission session for the year, which means that there will be a fresh pile of work to keep the editors busy at their desks. If you missed the opportunity to send in your manuscript this time, I do believe we will be reading again come August of 2020. Our featured exhibit this evening comes from Manuel Royal, who... Like Tristram Shandy, he was born with a broken nose, followed by interminable digressions. Although his body resides in Atlanta, Georgia, his mind can be found shuffling down the alleys and circumnavigating the roundabouts of Donatown, an imaginary mid-sized city somewhere in the Carolinas. It will be presented to us by Mr. Jim Hodgson.
1: This particular evening by Manuel Royal. This particular evening in, O, oh, 1927, a mild autumn evening it is, I'm standing on Broadway, standing and musing. All round my little paved aisle of musings, the 1927 clock Punchers are milling about with nary a clue in regards to their own existence. As always, as I'm standing there with no particular plans, which is how I like it, who but Joey Epilogue comes up to me from nowhere and at once I discern Joey is as gloomy as a thundercloud. Now it is only human nature that one heart shall call out to another heart. Sometimes it is two or three hearts, and there are certainly other red-blooded organs to be considered as well. that as it may, it is known to one and all in the circuit that Joey Epilogue and Quick Dip Bitsy are forever in love and out of love, smashing together and breaking up with much noise and tears, then leaping back into the fray again in a big, messy, romantic tangle. For a heady month here, Justinian's Constantinople, a delirious week there, 1519, Tenochtitlan, they are hot and heavy and dancing a tango in heaven, but then again, many another time she is cold as ice, 1871, Chicago on fire, or he is on a spiteful bender and can in no wise be pleased for all of Bitsy's lovey-dovey ministrations, 1666, London on fire. Now both Bitsy and Joey have a mischievous bent, which is known all around the circuit. Once upon a time, Bitsy gets quasi-elected to the 2087 Eastern Autonomy Cabinet, so she can watch the Engram Crisis, and once upon another time, in 1150-something, Joey stumbles backwards into a supposed godhead, finding himself worshipped as such on some rocky island. Between the two of them, they bend many a rule. Not too much, no more than a baker bends a pretzel. Mulberry Street, 1912. Look for Otto Voos's pushcart, for therein lie the best pretzels found in the city of New York at any time. But such incidents and varied peccadillos are not the cause of trouble betwixt Joey and Bitsy. No. Anyone, that is, anyone who is not Bitsy or Joey, can see they are much too alike to be together. They yank and shove each other, attract and repulse. They get crazy. They forget every guideline of polite behavior whenever they clap eyes on each other. Such as, for instance, dropping in on themselves and doubling down in public. A couple dozen of the crowd at the Queens Erlinger Theater concert in Philly in 1975 are Joey and Bitsy. After the concert, they all fill up a suite at the Lowe's and do things that are not in the dictionary. But this particular evening, as I enjoy a bit of 1927, I happen to know Bitsy is meanwhile in 1755 Lisbon taking in the earthquake. So while Joey Epilogue darts among the square black cars of 1927, I am curious regarding the cause of his distress. But it is no kind of a mystery why he seeks me out. Joey needs an ear and a shoulder and a rider on some other fellow's bar tab. Sure enough, Joey at once touches me for a drink, which is fine, because Prohibition, New York, is my favorite spot for tippling. There are within an easy walk numerous speakeasies that serve decent liquor and have decent bartenders and are full of indecent patrons. Clock punchers they may be, and therefore as much shadow as substance, but they are companionable shadows enjoying the fellowship known only to a gathering of lawbreakers, and that is good enough for me. Meanwhile, 2044 is my least favorite time to even attempt to find a friendly drink anywhere in New York, city or state, for obvious reasons. Joey is down at the mouth and ready to spill, so like a gent, I pry open my purse, and soon a sturdy barman is pouring the juice in my glass, a stingy ounce at a time, and Joey is pouring his troubles into my ear by the bucketful. It is bitsy, he says. We are on the outs now and again, that much I can live with. But this time I am afraid it is over for good and all. You must help me fix this. Now once in 1692, Salem Village, I must make Joey Epilogue watch a witch hanging to convince him they do not burn witches in 17th century America. So with Joey, one must show, not tell, to convey simple facts. With not so simple facts, one must sell him on repeat performances. One time, just for example, Joey takes a notion to go and save President Garfield from his normally scheduled assassination. There's nothing for it, but we must intercept Charles Guiteau and drop him, plop, into the Potomac, then drop in at the 1884 election. Joey expects to see Garfield winning a second term and is singularly disgruntled to find that Garfield is indeed three years dead and Chester Arthur is soon to be out of a job, defeated by Grover Cleveland. Yet Joey has got the stubbornness and is raring for another try. And so we go catch Gateau in 1860 on his way to Oneida and we see to it he gets run over by a train. You will not be surprised that when we stop in 1882, Garfield, just as stubborn, continues to have died. Does Joey Epilogue give up on Garfield and Guiteau and Guiteau's gun? He does not. In 1841, Freeport, Illinois, we burn to ashes the Gateau family home, whilst Mama Gateau is therein birthing little baby Charles, and then we hop to 1881 and, yes, that is right, we watch Guiteau, whole and hale and unburnt, pump two bullets into Garfield from behind. This is profound and instructive, both for Joey and for Garfield. Joey and I walk up for a good look at fat bleeding Garfield and then go and waste much good drinking time in a high class den of sin, as I take advantage of the multiple mirrors to try and explain that we on the circuit and all the poor oblivious clock punchers we intercept, and indeed the whole sad world we see at any point along the through line, are all and only reflections of reflections infinitely close to immutable reality, but never one with it. You cannot alter or even leave a lasting mark on a single heartbreaking twist or ludicrous curve along the through line. It is as it is. And that is why we observe and absorb and enjoy the spectacle and do not waste our energies a meddling. I say to Joey, Joey, my lad, You and I upon the circuit may hear the unending strings of reality humming and thrumming, but we can never in no wise touch them, however we might shout against their echo," says I. Such are the metaphors one comes up with on a long night in an unlawful brass and velvet saloon and bordello. At last, Joey's incandescent bulb sparks up, and he vows to no more strive at unwriting the written record, Also soon thereafter Joey first meets quick dip Bitsy and from then on she is the flame and he is the moth. Or perhaps they are both moths and both fire, mutually flaming and flapping, to use a metaphor I locate one evening in a bottle of absinthe while peacefully enjoying the siege of Paris. But this particular prohibition evening Joey is hurting and Bitsy is gone off and that is all his brain has room for. And he is not in the market for any gold coins of wisdom I may toss his way in our friendly neighborhood speakeasy. Many and many another evening, all around the circuit, here and there, one dimensionally, along the through line, in many lands and climes, Joey pines and pains and works the problem. And Joey never does and never will get it, and nor do any of us wise and wizened old souls. In his brain, and in the old TikTok, that Bitsy is not, nor is any lover, or would-be lover, or once was lover, a problem, a puzzle, a mechanical difficulty that one may simply work at until one solves it, non-destructively, that is to say. We of all and any genders, tripping gaily about the circuit or plodding ant-wise down the through-line, we are all alike foolish in love all alike, simple saps, helplessly floundering, and helpless against desire and loss. For much as we dream of scratching out this shameful episode here, or revising that noble failure there, old lady fate, working at her loom with just that one long thread, will have her way. And you may as well go and try to save Garfield, as try to make someone keep loving you when their heart no longer ticks and talks for you. All of which I say out loud, not that Joey is cognizant or receptive, no. Joey's eyes are glazed and fixed on a point, maybe eight feet in front of him, and Joey says to me, it is not that at all, for Bitsy tells me last night in old Byzantium that she loves me as steady as the stars in their courses. Verily, she digs me the most, and I'll not gainsay her, for quick-dip Bitsy's word is as good as any and better than most. So what, then, ask I, is the problem betwixt you pair? Bitsy is jawing with the Empress Theodora at the chariot races, and while I do not exactly lend them both ears, I do hear the subject of marriage coming up. So I figure Bitsy is giving the Empress her two cents as re how to handle Emperor Justinian. Now I am thinking she must be getting a nickel change back. Because that night, while we are watching the Nika Riots get heated up, Bitsy tells me nothing will do but that we must make it official. Ring on the finger. Now those of us on the circuit tend to be free and easy types, and unfettered by bonds of matrimony. For, with the through lines spun silk-like through all of written history up and down side to side, providing limitless opportunities for fun and frolic with clock-punching shadow people and with drop-ins by their pataphysical nature being very individual experiences, we are not commonly inclined to pledge devotion to the ones with whom we are now and then comfortably inclined. I open my mouth to say all of this to Joey Epilogue when what but he pulls out of his pants pocket a little velvet box and opening that box shows me a very goldish and glittery ring which I can see right off is just the sort of sparkly and splendid thing Quick Dip Bitsy would enjoy and cherish. All the more so since it is surely filched from some queenly tomb and will appeal to Bitsy's acquisitive nature. Joey says, so Bitsy is handing me the old ultimatum, and not only that, it is not enough I must steal a ring from Juana Laloca because she is the same ring size. No, Bitsy tells me she is roaming here and there on the circuit, dropping in at any intersect on the through line takes her fancy, leaving me not a clue, and I must find her somehow, or I can go chase my tail, and if so, we are Splitsville because it is fate. I do not mention the obvious solution to this conundrum, i.e. walking away and enjoying the near limitless other possibilities offered by life on the circuit, knowing Joey Epilogue as I do, for he will not listen to anything that does not lay a path for him to hoof back to Bitsy's side or possibly Bitsy's front. Joey is even asking the clock puncher tending bar what he should do. And indeed, maybe this is one of the situations, even disregarding the highly esoteric physics, metaphysics, and pataphysics involved, in which a bartender of any era might have as much wisdom as the most seasoned circuit rider. Indeed, the barman, making my drink, does not even look up from his sacred ministrations, but he says, Look here, brother. If you are happier having the miseries with this doll than you are on your lonesome, Then you are a lost bunny and must do whatever is called for to put that manacle on her. Which is enough to give Joey Epilogue a dose of the lovelorn stubborns. Joey excuses himself to the gents and is back while I am still sipping my rock and rye. I know he is dropping in here and there and everywhere upon the through line, for he is worn and sore and wearing different clothes and somewhat older in the face than when he went to the gents. It is a Sisyphean task, he cries, by which he means Sisyphean, or well, possibly he means what he says. I am all over creation looking for that woman, and by God, it is exhausting. I am an expert now on every earthquake since Babylon, for as you know, Betsy loves to feel the ground shake. But she is not there, or then, no matter where or when I am on the hunt. Her last words to me are as a mockery, for she is saying, Joey, show me that you do not give up easy, give up easy. However am I to find a woman who is not where she should surely be. During Joey Epilogue's epic five minutes in the gents, I have troubled to learn the name of the Shadow Man clock puncher behind the bar, and it is Elroy. I tap the rim of my glass and Elroy is prompt to tend to the emptiness within it. But with such a thoughtful look on his puss that I ask him, what is the word, Elroy? And he lays an elbow down on the bar and leans well in. Brother, he says to Joey, my whole life I know two things about dolls. One is, you must take them at their word. Two is, no matter what you think they should be doing, they are doing what the hell they feel like doing. Now Elroy sets my fresh and tasty rock and rye on the bar. But I have not so much as a sip thereof, because Joey Epilogue grabs my lapel and drags me bodily back into the gents with him. And strike me pink if we are not immediately dropping in on a warm summer Washington DC day in 1881, stepping lively in a train depot that feels familiar as a favorite vacation spot because over there is President James Garfield going into the waiting room to wait for his train to Williams College, and yonder comes the fadedly murderous Charles Guiteau. But not a single eye does Joey Epilogue have for the unfolding historical violence tableau, because standing squarely between us and the soon-to-be action is a little black-haired twist in a summer frock, none other than quick-dip Bitsy. What does Joey do but drop to a knee in front of her right there and pops open his little velvet box just as the first shot booms. Bitsy has her arms around Joey before the second shot and the two of them are off. I am hearing later that they are married by a Judge Joseph Crater. Needless to say, the torrid twosome, all of time at their disposal, but clearly prioritizing how they use it, have not a moment to spare for a task as pedestrian as thanking their older and wiser friend, nay, benefactor and educator. I have had enough of both romantic mania and assassination for one evening and decide to return to my neglected prohibition cocktail. But first, I stroll up to have one last look at poor, prostrate President Garfield, who is surrounded by a crowd and is bleeding but remarkably calm in that he is unconscious. I tell him, Mr. President, it is a pity that you have got two months of suffering ahead of you, but let me tell you, that is nothing compared to the ordeal that Joey Epilogue has just volunteered for.
0: This evening's narrator, Jim Hodgson, is a humorist from Atlanta, Georgia. He writes, produces, and acts in Bad Gladiator, a full cast audio comedy set in ancient Rome, which is a most excellent podcast. Do look it up at badgladiator.com. The evening is still rather young. I think I'm in the mood to go drop in on some of my favourite drinking haunts. They must be wondering where I've been this past month. (sighs) Try January. What was I thinking? Do take care and come again and visit next time at the Gallery of Curiosities. Gallery of Curiosities is produced under a Creative Commons International 4.0 non-commercial attribution, no derivatives license. All story copyrights remain with the authors. Our theme song is Ashes, Ashes by Deus Ex Markina. If you like the show, share it with your friends. Please. If you thought our ratings were like, you would drink too, trust me. This episode was produced in February of 2020. For full show notes, visit us on the web at gallerycurious.com and do enjoy your drink safely.